You can open up your Bibles to Joshua. Joshua 20 and 21. Hopefully your Bibles are just falling open to Joshua. But if not, um, this is also a very helpful thing. No, uh, don't, don't do that. It'll break your Bibles. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for um, these very words that we are about to read. And I pray that you would elevate your word in our hearts and our minds, even in, in this portion of Scripture. Uh, this, this passage is perhaps obscure, and perhaps some of us have never even read these verses before in our lives. But you speak through your word, and you are pleased to build up faith through even the remotest places in your word. And we pray that you would do that and be pleased with this moment of preaching and with this hour in the life of these students to powerfully shape and transform them through your word. We pray this all in your son's name and for his sake. Amen. Joshua 20. Joshua 20. Uh, we're going to read Joshua 20 through Joshua 21, 8. I want to give you a feel for 21 without reading all of 21, so we're going to read half of 21. But we're going to be talking about the Levitical cities, the cities given to the tribe of Levi. So pay close attention. We're going to read right now from Joshua 20, verse 1, to Joshua 21, verse 8. Then Yahweh spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Designate the cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you by the hand of Moses, that the manslayer who strikes down any person unintentionally without premeditation may flee there, and they shall become for you as a refuge from the avenger of blood. And he shall flee to one of these cities, and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and speak his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into the city to them and give him a place so that he may live among them. Now, if the avenger of blood pursues him, then they shall not surrender the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate him beforehand. He shall live in the city until he stands before the congregation for judgment until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the manslayer shall return and come to his own city and to his own house, to the city from which he fled. So they set apart Kadesh and Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron in the hill country of Judah. Now beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben and Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the appointed cities for all the sons of Israel and for the sojourner who sojourns among them, that whoever strikes down any person unintentionally may flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the congregation. Then the heads of the households of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the households of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, Yahweh commanded by the hand of Moses to give us cities to live in. 
with their pasture lands for our cattle. So the sons of Israel gave the Levites from their inheritance these cities with their pasture lands, according to the command of Yahweh. Then the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites, Kohathites and the sons uh, and the sons of Aaron, the priests, who were of the Levites, received 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of the Simeonites, and from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the rest of the sons of Koath received 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, and from the tribe of Dan, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the sons of Gershon received 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, and from the tribe of Asher, and from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh and Bashan. And the sons of Merari, according to their families, received 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben, and from the tribe of Gad, and from the tribe of Zebulun. So the sons of Israel gave by lot to the Levites, these cities with their pasture lands, as Yahweh had commanded by the hand of Moses. Tonight, we're here to learn about cities. We're here to learn about cities given to the Levites. And God has an intention for us tonight, and it's not necessarily to learn about these cities given to Levi, but it's intended to learn about God and who he is and what he's like. He is a God who provides for us means of maintaining a relationship with him. He is a God who who purposefully puts things in our lives so that we can grow in our fellowship, in our knowledge, and in our communion with him. If you are a Christian tonight, God wants you to grow as a believer. And perhaps he has put, in, put things in your life to help you grow in your fellowship, in your relationship with him. And the same God that is seeking out a relationship with you tonight is the same God that we see here in Israel, seeking out a relationship, a closer, sanctifying relationship with his people. And he does this through many means, but the means that I want you to see tonight is through this thing called Levitical cities. Now, maintenance is important, right? I, uh, I, uh, my first car was my dream car. It was a 94 Volvo station wagon, maroon, looked sweet driving down the highway to me alone. And it was a great car. It made this special whirring noise when it exceeded 40 miles per hour. It didn't tell you what uh, mile it was on. It was still on 118,000 miles. And it just stopped there. It was a great car. You never had to pay for gas because the mile... No, that's not how it worked. You still had to pay for gas. But... You know what? This car, even though it was a great car, it needed something called maintenance. What happens when you don't maintain a car? It fails. And let me tell you, it failed on me because I did not maintain the car. You have to sometimes work on problems, remove issues to maintain a car. Sometimes you have to keep feeding the car uh, gasoline, or in my case, oil. Very important to prevent massive smoke coming out the back end of the car. No, it didn't happen to me, I swear. Uh, that's the idea. You have to maintain something. The same thing goes with a relationship. If you are not maintaining a relationship, the re- relationship 
crumbles and fails. Once again, we're here primarily to learn about God and the way he has orchestrated things to grow our relationship. And, and tonight, we're going to look at cities that he's instituted to do just this with the people of Israel. Now, some of you are familiar with Joshua, and maybe you've noticed something as we've been studying the book of Joshua. Every tribe has gotten some sort of land inheritance except for the sons of Levi. Levi has not gotten any land allotments. As a matter of fact, the, the, the writer even says they were not given inheritance. And there's a reason for that. If you read through Joshua, you see that they were given a special inheritance. They were given the priesthood for their inheritance. They were given all of the gifts and all of the offerings that the children of Israel brought to the tabernacle or the temple. Those were for the priests and their families to eat. And it even says in Joshua thirteen thirty three, it wasn't just that they were given, they were given the, the priesthood. No, they were given something more special than that. Uh, Joshua thirteen thirty three says this: To the tribe of Levi, Moses did not give an inheritance. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is their inheritance, as He promised to them. The Levites were given a priesthood, a special position among the sons of Israel, and their inheritance was to be close to God and to be maintainers of Israel's relationship with God through sacrifice and through prayers and through offerings. That was their inheritance. Now, that was their, that was their role, that was their job, but they also needed a place to live, right? Like, like I am a pastor, it's my job to serve you through preaching the Word of God, studying the Word of God, but I do need a house to live in as well. And so for that reason, God gave them certain cities that all of the tribes of Israel would designate for them. And that's what we're going to learn about today. These, these cities have various purposes. And so the, you even see the purposes of Le, the Levites as priests coming through in the, in the cities of Levi. So tonight I want to show you um, these cities. I want to show you two kinds of Levitical cities. Once again, these cities are, are, are to show how God is maintaining his relationship with the people of Israel. Let's look at the first kind of city. We'll call this city uh, a city of justice. Or you could plural, cities of justice. This is the first kind of Levitical city, city belonging to the Levites. Now, I just want to show you uh, like three things with the cities of justice. I want to show you the, the picture that we have of this city. I want to show you kind of the purpose for this city. And then I want to think about with you what are the parallel lessons that you can take away from this city. So first off, we're going to look at the city of justice, and then we're going to look at another city after that. So first off, what is the picture of the city of justice that we see? Well, there were to be six cities in Israel called cities of refuge or cities of justice, as I have called them. There were to be three on the west of the Jordan and three on the east of the Jordan. And every city was intended and specifically placed um, nearby. So every city was was intentionally placed to be at least a day's journey, a day's huff and puff, a day's uh, speedy travel from anywhere in Israel. So these, these cities of refuge, these cities of justice, were meant to be accessible. 
to all of the people of Israel. Matter of fact, it was in the law of God. We see this in Deuteronomy 19.3. God made special laws saying you should make sure you maintain the roads on the way to the city of refuge so that if anyone is trying to get to these cities fast, they're fleeing from the, the avenger of blood, they know where to go to get to this city. So these, these cities are to be all throughout Israel. They're to be accessible and they are to be, they are to be easy to find. It's similar to how when you're driving down on the interstate, what do you always need to see signs for? What do you always want to know where it is? You always want to know where the gas station is, right? And there's always signs, very clear. Here's a gas station. Pull off right here. This is the last service stop for the next 80,000 miles. So you better stop here and get some gas. Otherwise, you're going to be in the middle of the desert and die right? It's very important that you know where the gas station is. And it's very, very similar to the cities of refuge. Everybody knew where a city of refuge was. It was, there was always an accessible city of refuge. But what were the purposes of these cities? Why did God institute cities like this? Well, he wanted a way for every Israelite to have a way of escape from Someone called an avenger of blood, or the Hebrew word is goel, the goel, the avenger of blood. Now, to give you a little bit of background so that you understand who this avenger is and why he's randomly chasing someone, um, back in in those days, especially in the Middle East, uh, honor and shame were huge, particularly if if you were a member of a family who was wronged. It was, it was a, it was a great crime to sin against one's family. And it was a, it was a great shot to the, 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 the shame and the pride of that family to kill someone from that family. So there would be like a representative from the family who would go after the person who killed the member of their family to exact justice. And maybe you're saying, that sounds terrible to me. Why would you ever do that? Well, this was how justice was done, and it was all throughout the ancient world. Sometimes a family would appoint someone to go seek justice. Whether the murder was intentional or unintentional on the part of the murderer, justice needed to be served. The family needed someone to answer for the injustice done to them. And in the ancient world, you... If, if you were in another country, there was no real way to escape this avenger of blood except to like run away and escape and leave the land. Kind of like Simba and the Lion King. Run away, Simba, and never come back. Very similar. Very similar. But remember who God's people are. God's people aren't just any old people. They are the ones who God has promised them an inheritance and a land forever. So God doesn't want any of his children running away from the land. So he has made a way for justice to be served and, and, and for wisdom to be served as well in, in figuring out who did what and what kind of punishment they should get. God intends his people to remain in the land and God also wants his people to do justice, to actually punish crime and to deal with sin and wrong this this is a this is a natural instinct that we even have we have this sense of justice in us too don't we we have this sense like something is wrong we've been wronged god has given us that inward sense a a desire for uh, an answer of some kind 
But, but our problem is that we are fallen and we are naturally oh, poor at, at, at bringing justice without going too far, without, without sinning and causing more, more evil, just, just in the response. We, we are quick to anger naturally and slow to control our anger. We are quick to react against wrongs committed to us and very slow to realize the very wrongs that we ourselves do. We're quick to see everyone else's problem, everyone else's fault. We're quick to want vengeance and justice and never look at ourselves and see where we are wrong and where we have committed a wrong. We're quick to assume, we're quick to assume that we've been wrong and we're very hesitant to believe that we have done wrong. That is a condition of our fall. So we still have this inward sense of right and wrong, this moral compass, but it is, it is damaged. It is, it is bent inward. It is, always, it is always in our favor because of the fall. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want justice anymore. God still wants us to pursue justice for sure. And he appoints these cities, this is the purpose, he appoints these cities to demand and bring about justice while also controlling that very justice itself. God actually wants justice. He demands justice. He demands, he ordains that this avenger pursue justice. This avenger is actually an incredibly significant figure. Matter of fact, uh, keep your Bible in Joshua um, 20 and turn over to Numbers 35. Turn over to Numbers 35. Numbers 35 is where we kind of see all the laws about these Levitical cities and, and Moses is explaining them, and, and I've spent the last week reading all of these laws, so I'll try to summarize them for you. But I just want you to see the significance of this avenger. And, and think about what happens if, if, if there is no avenger at all. It says this in, in Numbers 35, verse 30, If anyone strikes down a person, the murderer shall be put to death at the mouth of witnesses. There's important to have two or more or two or more witnesses, but no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not take ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. Basically, if someone is committed has committed a murder and 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 intended to kill this person out of anger and hate, that person should not be spared, and there's no ransom for their life that should be received. Verse 32, and you shall not take ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to live in the land before the death of the priest. Notice, uh, once you are in the city of refuge, you can't buy your way back to your land until the high priest is dead. But notice the purpose here in verse 33. You shall do all these things and you shall not pollute the land in which you are for blood pollutes the land and no propitiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it except by the blood of him who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live in the midst of which I dwell for I, Yahweh, am dwelling in the midst of the sons of Israel. Why is the avenger so important? Because God himself is dwelling among his people. And murder, murder is a crime ultimately against God. 
And God says, if you do not deal with sin seriously, it pollutes the land, and eventually you will be kicked out of the land if you do not deal with sin. The avenger is very significant to maintaining, see that? Maintaining the presence of the Lord. And you, you, could, you could draw out an application from that very easily in your own Christian life, right? If you do not deal with sin, your relationship with the Lord will be hindered. And you're going to wonder why you're so discouraged and why you're so depressed and why you're so defeated and why you're so sad. It's because there is sin in your life. And, and your joy is not there because your relationship with God is clouded by your sin. It's the same thing that we have in our life as well. So this, this avenger is to maintain God's peaceful presence. And, and notice also, God cares about innocent blood. God cares about innocent blood as well. Let's also notice God wants to regulate our fallenness. He wants to provide a protection against out of control retaliation, right? When we get hit in the eye, we want to slug them in the stomach and hit them in the eye. When, we, when they break our leg in football, we want to crush their skull in football, right? There is this out-of-control retaliation that we naturally want to do. But God wants to control this. And just probably, just you kind, of, you kind of can see the sequence. If you jump back to Joshua 20, you can see that sequence there kind of described, but it's essentially this, right? You're, 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 this is one of the illustrations in Deuteronomy. You're chopping wood with your friend, at least he was your friend, uh, in the woods, and your axe falls off of the end of uh, your stick, and it hits your friend, and now he's not your friend because he's dead. The next thing you do is you book it to your, 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 uh, your, your closest refuge city before the avenger of blood can catch up to you. You meet the elders at the gate of the city. You say, look, at, we were chopping wood. I, I accidentally, or I didn't accidentally, I mean, I was swinging, and then the axe head fell off, and it hit him in the face, and he died. And I didn't mean to do it, and now I'm running for refuge. I, that sounds weird, but that's actually an illustration in Deuteronomy 19 that Moses gives to the people of Israel, right? There, there's no premeditation there, there's no intent, there's no anger, and the, the, the avenger of blood will come to the city, and he says, I would like to kill this man, because he killed my brother. And then they're going to say, we, we will hold him until there's a trial of many witnesses, bring your witnesses, and of course, he, he can't bring any witnesses, anyone that convicts this man of guilt. So essentially what happens then is the elders of that town says, he has refuge here, he is safe here, but only here. Because notice what it also says in Judges uh, 20, and this is where it gets really trippy. In Judges 20, it, it kind of implies this, but you definitely see this elsewhere. Uh, this man, this man cannot leave the city of refuge after he is taking refuge there. He cannot leave that city until one of two things happen. He dies or the high priest half dies. Of course, then, of course, if he's dead, he's not really going anywhere. But you got it, right? You cannot leave until one of two things happen. Either he dies or the high priest dies. But notice this. God cares about even innocent bloodshed. Even innocent murder in this situation will totally, radically change your life. This man who is chopping wood with his friends in the, the local forest can't go home. His life totally changes. And, and that's part of the consequence of, 
of a crime being done. It's not murder. It's not premeditated murder, but it still has consequences. And this man has to stay in this refuge city forever. Matter of fact, if you were over in, in Numbers 35, you could see if the man ever leaves this refuge city, this avenger can kill him. At least until one of two things happen. He dies or the high priest dies. So that's kind of the city itself. But ultimately, these cities are an expression of love for God. It is an expression of love for God. We want to deal with sin. Even if it is unintentional, we still want to deal with sin. And this is how God actually ordains a civil society that functions and enjoys peace and enjoys fellowship with him. But listen to this. Deuteronomy 19 says this. If you are careful to do all of this commandment which I am commanding you today, to love Yahweh your God and to walk in his ways all of your days, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three. So innocent blood will not be shed in the midst of your land which Yahweh your God gives you as an inheritance, and blood guiltiness be on you. Notice, this is an expression of love for God. Pursuing justice is an expression of love for God. What are the the parallels in your life to these cities of justice? Well, once again, just just notice, this is the way God has, has created mankind to operate. We were created to operate best in societies that deal with criminals and crime. Otherwise, a society will crumble. And notice also, it's very helpful to you to understand that God cares about all innocent blood, including the the blood of the one that accidentally killed his brother. That man, God also is, is determined to protect in a way, even though his life is totally altered for the rest of his life. But there's a, there's a deeper application and parallel to this. Don't you see it? God cares about the way you treat the people that have done wrong to you. Just because someone has wronged you or your family doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to them. God wants you to trust in him for his justice and not just go crazy on revenge. Just because you've been wrong does not mean you have a free ticket to wrong others with, with no limit. And, and there's also that, that picture that I was talking about as well about our relationship with God. Spiritually, we, we cannot love God and allow sin to be unaddressed in our life. That's what we see here in this city of justice. God has, has ordained this city to bring justice to his land. And when justice is brought to his land, he has, they have peace and they enjoy fellowship with God as well. Let's look really quick at our next city. I'll nickname this city City of Influence. City of Influence. Not only do we have a city of of justice, but we also have a city of influence. So this is where we kind of jump back over to Joshua 21. And where we see all of the cities given to all of the Levites. And, And... and it's, it's, we don't have enough time to really go into this, so let me just explain it really quick. Levi was given cities everywhere in Israel. They weren't just given all cities in a little clump, a little corner of Israel. They were spread out all throughout Israel. They had a, they had a, a few cities in every tribe. Some tribes more than others, because those tribes were bigger, like Judah and so on. But Levi had cities and their pasture land all throughout 
Israel. They were everywhere. You, you couldn't walk very long without stumbling upon a city of Levi. Why do you think that is? What is God trying to do there? Another thing to observe is you, you find that the cities of Levi are also often on the borders. They're on the, the main intersections of Israel. It, it's almost as if God is positioning these cities intentionally, or, or he is, he's moving in the hearts of Israel to give these cities intentionally because he wants the Levites in the cities that have the most influence. He's given them purposeful placement as well. You see the lots being given to the three sons of Levi, uh, Koath, the Koathites, Koath, uh, the other son, Gershon, and the other son, Merari, however you say that. Um, Those are the three sons of Levi, and they're all given their cities by Lot. But we all know, if we read the Bible, that Lot means God's sovereign choice. God has a purpose where he puts all of these. As a matter of fact, the Kohathites are the, the, the sons of Aaron. And notice where they are put. By Lot from the Lord, they are put near the city of Jerusalem because God has a plan for the city of Jerusalem for the temple and for the sacrifices. And the, the Kohathites are going to be the main priests that are going to minister in that city. God is purposefully placing them. He's placing them everywhere. He's placing them on the key junctions. What, what's the purpose of these cities if we haven't gotten it yet? Well, influence. That's the title of the city, right? But, 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 but these cities are more than that. These, these cities are an expression of worship to God. It's a, an expression of, of giving back to God what he has given you. All of the sons of Israel, all of the tribes of Israel, give back to the Lord what he has given to them. It's an expression of worship. It's an expression of love. And also, it seems to me like the, the purpose behind these Levitical cities is for influence for mediation to to spread god's presence among his people how why when when i read about the levites in the in the old testament i continually read that they're the ones that are teaching the people around them we see this in second chronicles we see this in nehemiah 8 they are the ones uh, proclaiming providing instruction for the word of god they are the ones that are that are meant to be teaching instructing god's people about who he is and how they can be right with god this is across the old testament they are the ones who are to know the law and help instruct the children of israel how to know the law as a matter of fact, you can see how Israel is doing spiritually by what the Levites are doing. In, in Judges, where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, we see Levites wandering around causing problems. In, in the days of Jeroboam, when Jeroboam is the king in Israel and he is rejecting all Yahweh worship, all of the Levites are going down to Judah. Uh, the Levites are an expression of the presence of God through the mediation of God's word. They are like the pastors in little towns preaching the word of God so as to influence the people of God to love him and serve him more. That is the intent of these Levitical cities, if you were to ask me. And what's the lesson to us? The lesson to us is, notice, God seeks fellowship with us both through dealing with sin and, and making sure that we are dealing with sin, but also growing us in our knowledge of him and growing us in our fellowship with him through giving us the word of God through his servants. 
And, and we even care for God and care for his word in his servants uh, by taking care of our, of our servants who give us the word of God. In other words, sacrifices are not the end goal of Israelite worship. It's not about just going to Jerusalem and offering sacrifices. No, sacrifices are so that you can know God every day of your life through the teaching of God's word, through the Levites that are near your cities. Just a a few final conclusion. Just think about that. God cares about every area of your life, every day of your life. God cares about anger in your home. God cares about how you think about him and how you think about others. That's why he has positioned, in, 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 in Israel at least, that's why he positioned cities of influence and cities of justice because God cares about every wrong and God wants us to grow in our knowledge of him as well. And, and God is always, this is the big thing that I see, God is always making a way for our sin to be dealt with so that we can come to him, so that we can grow in our knowledge of him. And if you have a heart to hear, you can come to him. Did did you see the awesome picture of the mercy and grace of our God in these cities? Well, first off, did you see the, the wonderful picture of the access that we have to God for mercy when we need him? The road is straight. The gate is open. You can run to God for mercy at any time. God wants you to come, and he makes it easy for you to come. You can come today to God and find mercy and grace. And on a greater level than any person in the Old Testament could go and run to one of these cities, you can find grace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who your God is. He is a God that makes the way obvious, straight, Come to me through repentance, through faith, in Christ Jesus and Jesus alone. But notice also, did you also catch it and not miss the amazing picture of the gospel that we have even in these cities? And notice, what are the one or of two things that must happen for you to be fully pardoned from your sin? You need to either die or you need a substitute to die in your place. Is it, is, it, is it just accidental that Moses includes this law about a priest? No, already he's trying to teach you something about the gospel. You need a substitute in your place that is just like you. Money won't pay off God. A lamb won't be sufficient to die for you. No, you need a person just like you to die so that you can have a clean slate before God. And all of your sin can be placed on him. That is the picture that we see here in this priest. But also, finally, don't miss the clear indication of the designs of God in seeking fellowship with you. That's what I see when I see the Levitical cities. I see a picture of a God who wants his people to know him. And wants his people to have a way to deal with sin and wrong so that they can know him better. This is, this is the God of the Old Testament, and this is the God today as well, who beckons you to come to him and find the perfect substitutionary sacrifice for your sin in his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this evening that we get to discuss these things, and I pray that we would be helped and encouraged, even through this random portion of scripture, 
to love you more, to praise you more, to uphold your standard more, to hate our sin more, and to love our Savior even more. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.